Welcome everyone to Torah Talks. Tuesday's program, Chazak has a special guest. Tonight we have with us Rabbi Mayor Goldberg, all the way from Lakewood. Welcome, Rabbi. Hi. Welcome How are you doing? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Rabbi Goldberg is very much involved with the various different cure programs. We're going to hear about that. But tonight's topic is going back to our roots. But before we get to the topic, let's go to your roots, Rabbi. Let us know a little bit more about yourself and the great work you're involved with for the Jewish people. So uh, I grew up in Farakway, New York. Queens. Um, Queens. Chazak with the Q, strengthening Queens. We started in Queens, we're expanding right. across the globe. Right, right. right. And uh, I went to Darche as, as a young man, and uh, we went, I went to Scranton for high school, and I went to Torah for uh, Beis Medrash, and I went to Lakewood afterwards. I met my wife, Esti, who's from Queens, Woo. from uh, Kugan Hills. <laughs> uh, Shout uh, out to Kugan Hills. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Shriver, my uh, Barry and Judy Shriver, my in-laws. In Queens, I spent a lot of time over here, and especially at the Obam Shul. Rabbi Obam Shlita, wow. And, uh, and, then, and in about 2004, I started uh, going out to campus at Rutgers. We started off, it's called Rutgers Jewish Experience. We became part of Moor, which is that big network, so we're the Moor Rutgers Jewish Experience. And now we're part of also Olami. Olami is like our overall grandparent program. So that's... Uh, Olami is amazing. Shout out to Olami. Chazak is also the te- teens division is part of that, and it's amazing, amazing. So yeah. So doing Kirov, changing right. the world. Okay, we like it. Yeah, just trying to reach as many as many Jews at uh, Rutgers and other places. We do lots of different programs for Olami as well, outside of Rutgers, but uh, my main focus is at Rutgers University in New Jersey. So. Okay, and how is that experience? Over there? What's the matter? What type of uh, students do you have? So we get students from all backgrounds. <clears throat> in our organization, we have probably 40%, if I ask um, who can speak Russian, um, probably forty percent of the hands will go up. Wow! So, uh, so there's a certain realness that they have, which I, which really I, I feel connected to. Also, my father went to, went to the Soviet Union back in 1982 during KGB times. KGB used to follow him. He was a business partner with Mordechai Nushtad, who started an organization to at that time to help reach Soviet Jews. So I remember as a child very vividly. He went back again in '89 or '90 to to do a concert with the London uh, Boys uh, Choir. And we used to have people come off the off the plane, literally, a JFK, and come to, come to our house. Wow. So I always felt a special Kesha with Jews from Soviet Union. and uh, But we have Jews from all backgrounds. You know, we have Jews from Israel and, you know, just regular Americans. So Jews from all backgrounds are, are involved. Amazing. I mean, so as we mentioned, tonight's topic is going back to our roots. Uh, you know, in school, when uh, studying about history, one might just study, it, you know, to get a good grade, to do well on a test. But it doesn't impact their lives. They're just getting the info Writing it on the test and then they forget it. It doesn't change them. What is the proper way uh, to be inspired from our history, Rabbi, from our roots? What would you say? So I, I feel very strongly. I lead a trip to Poland every year. We were just supposed to go in, in January, but unfortunately got canceled because of COVID. So oh, wow. we, we, we reschedule, we're rescheduling it for, um, for May. And it's the most, pro- it's the most powerful experience that, that we do every year. And it's the most powerful experience that the students do. Now, in terms of importance, going to Eretz Yisrael is obviously the most important thing. But we were supposed to have a program, a trip to our teenagers to Eretz Yisrael, but again, due to COVID, this was going back a while ago, it had to be changed to Florida. Right, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, we had a similar situation to go to Arizona instead. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but, we have, but, but the most important place, obviously, is Eretz Yisrael. That's our roots, that's our home. But once in a person's life, whether they're from Poland, whether they're not from Poland, whether they're Israeli, Ashkenazi, no matter what their background is, you have to go to Poland. I would say Ukraine also, but maybe that's not a good place to suggest with what's going on now. So you got to go back to a roots trip, back to an old country where our, where our ancestors were, 
And my friend Rosalind Goldstein from uh, or Maryland always says, and this is something you know, we do the trips together. He says that even though our homeland is Eretz Israel, but to a large extent, the, the way we were formed now, the Jews now are, were formed over the last six seven hundred years was what, what we were like in Europe, where persons from you know from Persian background over there, Bukharan over there, like wherever they are, Moroccan over there. So to a large extent, even though those places are Galus, Galut, right? They're they're exile. They're, they're exile but still, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from those places that we need to learn. And the only way to learn it really, really well is to go back and experience it, to go back to the, to the shuls, to the synagogues, to the, the, the batik farot, the places where people are buried, right? The, the cemeteries, all those things. We have to go back to those places, walk the streets where our great-grandparents walk, smell the smells. There's a place in, in Poland where we go, it's called Tarnov. Tarnov was one of the first places where people were shipped off to Auschwitz from. I mean, you walk in Tarnov on a, on a Friday morning. Remember one time it was like five degrees, it was freezing. But it was worth it. We're all bundled up. We're walking through the streets of Tarnov. And you could see on the side, on, on the buildings along the, the road, I showed my students these little holes in the, in, the, in, the, in the doorpost. And I said, those are mezuzahs. That's where the mezuzah was. And you could see them pried off. And, and it was unbelievable. And you could see like Yiddish writing still on the, on the, on the wall. So it was very, very powerful. And, and those are the places that sort of come to life, and then it's not enough just to just to walk the streets and, and, and you have to tell the stories, you have to sing and dance, you have to you have to have the whole, the total experience, and even though after six days, a person's like, you know, I've had it, I don't want to be back here, it's too, like, there was too much death and destruction, but it, 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 it sits in you and, and it changes a person where they feel much more connected to who they are, and it propels them forward so that going forward, this is who they want to really become an extension of. I hear. So it seems like you said like very sad and somewhat depressing to know what happened in these areas. But what lessons can we learn from experiencing our rich history life? Like what's so? So I wanted to say one thing: it's, it's dafka, not sad. If, if you, I always tell the students, we if you if we go to Poland and you're sad when you come out, we failed. Like it has to be an upbeat trip. And now it could be, you'll say, well, wait a second, you're, talking, you're going to a place and you're talking about death and destruction every Six year. Million Six million Jews. So what's happy about that? So the answer is when we go, we're going to go, let's say we go to Lublin, right? So we're going to do, go and learn in Chachmei Lublin, in the yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin, right? The place where Amir Shapiro, who, who started Dafyomi, but in the, those years, the 1930s, was the greatest yeshiva in Europe. Well, certainly for the Hasidim it was. And, 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 and that was like a place of, of, of Jewish roots, which um, which is like an unbelievable place. We we actually go there. We, we we study Torah with the students in the in the building. The building is still intact. And yeah, yeah. It was renovated, and and it's 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 unfortunately it's not like an active shul or anything like that. It's more of like a museum type of thing. Mm-hmm. But it has the look of a shul, and we, we, we go and we we actually use it for learning, and it's tremendous, wow. unbelievable. We're talking what was what was it like to be in the yeshiva? Then what was the yeshiva about her? Experiencing what was a woman in seminary right experiencing like so so we explain you know who we sit, we sit and we have meals in the Basiako where where Sarah Schneer started the Krakow Seminary and 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 you see the pictures of these of these young women and they're really the the the, the pioneers for women's education today. The so, Basiako movement is uh, all over the world and it's yeah. like you're saying with Sarah Schneer. That's, right, right. That's inspiring. So that what right. you're saying that you turn. The experience from a sad experience to an expi- inspiring one. Right. To learn from our ancestors and what they went through and how great they became. Right. right. Again, I'll give you one story as an example. Um, we're, we're, um, we're sitting in a barracks in Auschwitz. On the, on, this is the first trip we did. We, it, it was us and University of Maryland. And we're sitting in a, in a, in a barracks. And 
um, there's a there's a, a girl there. Her name is Abby Mandelbaum. She she since got married and she's a beautiful family. But she's sitting. We ask the students to get up and give testimony. We say I want we want you to we want to hear the stories that you have from your ancestors. You tell us what happened. So she says that her grandmother and her grandmother's sister were the only ones surviving from her from their family. The rest had been killed out. And they decided that the only way they're going to get through Auschwitz is to stay together and to survive. And they held on to each other, next to each other every day, until about two months before the end of the war. Addie's grandmother wakes up one morning, she's a 15-year-old girl, she's got nobody left in life, and her sister died the night before. So she, she, so what's she going to do? She feels so depressed, she's ready to kill herself. So she's walking to the electrified fence that separated the, the men's and the women's camp to throw herself onto the fence. It's the only way out. So as she's walking to the fence... She, she's walking there slowly, and she feels a smash over her head. She looks up, and she sees there's an SS officer screaming at her and yelling at her, you dirty Jew, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to take the easy road out. Well, I'm not going to let you. And he hits her over the head again. She's out cold. Somehow, someone drags her back to the barracks. She survives two month, for, for two months. And Addie Mandelman, her, her granddaughter, is sitting there now in the barracks telling us the story. Wow. So she says, well, how do I look at this Nazi, right? He, he saved my, he said, I'm only here because of him, but he was a cruel, vicious tyrant. But I, I wanted, to, wanted to add on to that. The grandmother, when she was sitting there crying, and, and, and she saw no hope in her life, right? You know the story of, the famous story of uh, one of the great tzaddikim, Choni uh, Hamaga, um, Choni the circle maker. And he has a famous story where he, where he sees a guy growing a carob tree, and he says, how long is it going to take to grow the carob tree? So the guy says it could take up to 70 years. If you go on Wikipedia, by the way, you'll see that, that the male carob trees only give off food after 70 years. That's what he's referring to, probably. Right, because in those days they couldn't graft the trees to make sure it was female or male. Right, female trees give off after eight years, but but male trees after 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 seven years. So so what, what was he saying? Sometimes it takes seventy years, it takes a person's whole life to see their dreams turn into reality. Sometimes you don't you don't harvest the fruits of the carob for seventy years. So Addie's grandmother. This was in twenty fourteen, by the way. This was it was literally seventy years from when they when they when they got out of Auschwitz. Addie's grandmother couldn't see in, in, in 70 years she's going to have a granddaughter who's going to, who's going to reconnect with Torah and, 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 and Yiddishkeit and Judaism and have a family of her own. She couldn't see that. But 70 years later, she was able to see that. So that's the type of experience. So we we're walking out of Auschwitz. So the way it works is, if you ever go to, to Birkenau, the, the second camp in Auschwitz, there's this sort of like this entranceway, and the tracks run all the way in, about half a mile. And the way it worked was, they would unload the Jews on both sides of the trains, and, and most Jews would get marched right into, into these um, gas chambers, which were, which were right up there. And the, the, the younger and stronger ones would, would get moved into, into the camp to be, to be slave labor, right? So we were, standing at the, we were standing all together at the top of the, of the... It's like a cement block at the top of the tracks. And we're basically uh, you know, telling these stories and, and ready to march out. But we weren't mar- marching out depressed. We were marching out proud. We were marching out inspired. And we all start to sing. So we, what are we singing? We're singing Yaakov Shweki's song, V'HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzileinu Miyodim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzileinu. So we're singing this whole song, Mahisha Amda, and V'HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzileinu. We walk the entire way. We're walking till the end. And as we're about to, to exit the camp, so me and, and the guys, we, we just create like a circle. And the, the girls are in one, one section, the guys are in another section, and we start singing about Kaddish Baruch Hu over and over 15 minutes. I look up, and for the first time, it's always overcast and cloudy. I look up for the first time, there's a clear, clear sky and a clear moon, full moon. 
So we know that the moon is a mushal, is a parable for the Jewish people. Sometimes the Jewish people are very small, as a cone, see a sliver, and sometimes you see the full, you see the full moon in the middle of the month. So that's what I was thinking. Seventy years ago, the moon was very small; you couldn't see anything. There was no hope for Kali Yisrael. Seventy years later, they have children and grandchildren, and great grandchildren. They're studying Torah and yeshivas and Eretz Yisrael and and, and and queens over here. So you have all this unbelievable opportunity. So that was the 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 the, 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 the full moon and it's full. So that's why people are, are 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 happy when they come out because they see from the tears and from, but you see the potential of what could be. Unbelievable. Wow, wow, wow. Very inspiring. I'm, just a thought, just thinking about it just gives you the chills. But I could so see how a person could go inspired from these uh, type of uh, events. So, so, Rabbi, we live in a selfie generation where people don't experience the moment, but uh, rather are more concerned about how their viewers and followers will experience their videos. So everyone's, you know, taking out their phones and stuff. But how, how can we navigate this digital world and experience the present moment? What would you suggest for... Uh, the world out there that like, literally every time I go to events is like most of the people are just holding their phones and like <laughs> it, the, the, the key is to be is to be to really do the experience in a way that touches the emotions and a person understands they have to put away the phone and just focus in, in in the moment living the moment living the moment and really like when we when we go so we'll be singing we'll be dancing we'll go to we'll be dancing around and singing jumping around like a tish do all those things as, as we, before we go out of Auschwitz, we have like a message. So we ask people first to take pick up a rock, something that's like a tangible reminder of, of where you were, right? And we say a message, different messages we, 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 we tell the guys. It's a famous story from Rav Pesach Krohn. He says a, a great story. A dear friend. He, so he, so Rav Pesach says, a beautiful story. He says, after uh, after the Holocaust, so the Kozim of the Rebbe was, was really the teacher and, and, the, and the Rebbe for all these broken survivors. And he himself had lost... Uh, a wife and eleven children. So he started yeshiva in the DP in the DP camps, the displaced person camps, to be able to to strengthen the broken survivors. So there's one boy who doesn't from from like a group of guys doesn't want to have anything to do with anybody. He won't talk to anybody. So the boys come to to the rebbe and they say, Rebbe, he won't talk to us. He won't interact with us. Like, what do we? How do we reach him? So the rebbe says, Bring him to me. So the so um, the boy goes to the Kozenberg rebbe, and he won't talk. He's very upset. He says, you're angry? He says, I know why you're angry. So he holds him and he says, it's because they took the best ones and they, and they just left us. And he hold, hugs him again. He says, they took the best ones, they just left us. They took the best ones and they just left us. So I tell the students, I said, well, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they're not here anymore, right? Some of them died in the Holocaust. Some of them came. Some of them assimilated, right? But the best ones were taken. But now it's up to us. Now we have to be the ones to be able to, to give over to the next generation, to be the link in that chain. And if we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for us. So we have to be the ones who, who are going to be... It's just left It's just left out to us. It's left to us. Powerful. Amazing. Amazing, Rabbi. Good good, 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 good inspiration. So um, you told us so much about these trips. Very inspiring. If one wants to go on this trip, does he have to be like in the college world? <laughs> to be part of, I'm sure there's programs and stuff that they, that, that's out there, right? There's, there's tons of programs, there's tons, tons of, programs. of places. And the thing is, you have to make sure you go to a place that's very heavy on the inspiration, right. with the right people, with the right music, with the right singing, right. with the right chizuk. That's the, really the person's... Uh, but there's a lot of opportunities. I see and the Jewish doing. communities over there? The Jew, I know Rabbi Obam Shul does it. They, sure. They, they, they do it. I'm saying, but there's the, the Jewish community there is vibrant in different parts of... Uh, 
Not so much. It's 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 uh, it's a little bit scattered in Poland. There are you know there are shuls and there is activity, but it's it's hard. I wouldn't say that you can kosher get kosher food. Is, is, is yeah, they can get you can get kosher food. You know that's something that the tour guide should should be able to access. And there are there's even a restaurant in, in Warsaw, and they can, oh, really? can arrange for things. But it's important to go with a group. If you go by yourself, it's it's really long. easy. You don't know where to go. Yeah, and even if you go to a place, you may not. It's important to have someone who knows the stories who who can who can sort of give over the inspiration in a. In a, in a real, in a real powerful way. I see that just shuls go together just for yeah. three, four days at a time, and each shul should should go with with you know and, and take people along who can both Give on the historical end and, and really on the historical end and the inspirational end. So it's connecting, not only connecting but going back to her, which is right. well, Rabbi, very, very inspiring. If you could tell us one final message that we could uh, give over to the world. So, so I want I want every Jew to know this. I look right into the camera and, and tell us to every Jew that I was once sitting in the student center at Rutgers with a, a student who, who told me, he said, Rabbi, this is not for me. I'm not interested. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to meet anymore. I don't want to study anymore. I said, no problem. I said, you probably never see me again, but I just want to tell you one thing. I said, most of, throughout most of Jewish history, most Jews, they fell away. And so what you see today is just the remnants of a very specific group of Jews who managed to stay here, stay around as, as Jews until this point. It, however, the only reason you're here is because very likely... A thousand, two thousand, three thousand years ago, you probably had a great grandmother or a great grandfather or something, some ancestor who thought that Judaism was so important that they literally would be willing to die for for, for what, what they believed in. So it's probably worth it to figure out what Judaism is all about if your great grandfather was willing to die for it. That was my message. So that's why I tell every single Jew: you have to be, you have to know what it is before you reject it, before you, you walk away from it. You have to know what it is, why it's important. Not not in a small, in a shallow way, in a real way to get to really understand it before you say this isn't for me. Uh, because because you have, literally you have the only reason you're here is because you have ancestors who are willing to die for this idea. Amazing. They were willing to die for it. We have to be willing to live for it. Right. Live, right. live a life of Torah. Live a life of Judaism. Amazing, amazing Torah talk, Rabbi Mayor Goldberg Shlita. Always a pleasure. And uh, we want to remind everyone watching that uh, every Tuesday night we have special guests, Chazak Torah Talks, uh, timely Torah Talks. And uh, we want to give a shout out to Torah Anytime. Thank you very much for being one of the many hosts. We have all these different podcasts and, and social media and zakhins. But uh, I don't understand this stuff. But what I do know is that I get a lot of amazing feedback. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the constructive feedback as well. If there's any, feel free to send that to us as well. Uh, shout out to dailygiving.com uh, dot com, uh, for a dollar a day goes a very, very far away. And uh, we want to uh, encourage everyone to not only be inspired, but to send it out to your family, your friends, your neighbors. Yishikach, Rabbi Gobert. Thanks so much. Yagdut Torviyadeh. Amen.